Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutassa Uttang dhammang sanggang namasami Um, so I want to better start talking about meditation soon. <laughs> it's been nice sharing the space with you anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, mindfulness of breathing, meditation on breathing. Um, uh, I appreciate you know if you're fairly new to all this, you're wondering when you actually get down to <laughs> the point. <laughs> what we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> but uh, I, I'm cautious <laughs> about this yeah. because uh, the experience is not a, not a, a verbal one. And we have to use words, but the experience is not verbal. And, you know, you can understand that, but perhaps it's not always clear just how much of a shift has to occur. Uh, a very significant shift and a rather difficult shift to really uh, experience something from a less verbal center. Less verbalized, not just literally <coughs> Uh, words, but even the energies and the nuances that words set up. Because actually, I could teach mindfulness of breathing probably in under a minute, verbally, I imagine. Maybe two. It will all be true. I'll just read it from the book, it will all be true. And, uh, you know, and then one would hear that and then probably approach it in the same sort of way, point one, point two, point three, point four. And then who would be doing the meditation? What system would kick in, would arise to do that that, that meditation? To do that, what, what kind of system would arise that would affect that? that process that's just been 10 target points. It would be the system that arises when we hear words, the first system that arises when we hear words, the system that's been running for years, hearing words and following instructions, orders, if you like, but definitely, uh, you know, instructions with shadow effects of this is, you know, the thing to do, get it done, do this, affect this, um, you know. And it's a kind of, the words are rather flat because they just, they have no particular by themselves. They're really just objective statements that we could all make. There'd be an objective statement we could all make that would mean, that would sound the same in everybody's voice, if we given the change of dialect and so forth. It, that's the point of them, they stay there forever. They're objective, they're not, they're not in themselves through that particular written medium. That's why they're there. That will be there for 50 years on that piece of paper or that digital format, those words. They're objects, they're not alive, right? They don't shimmer. That's it. They shouldn't. They're supposed to be what that. <laughs> but then we're not. We're all shimmer. Shimmer, shake, jolt, urge, swell, collapse, rush, drive, 
flutter. <laughs> that's, that's our subjective domain. The object domain, you know, is pretty steady and clear. That's its, due, that's its job. It's a flag, it's a token. It's not supposed to shift and change. We are, in essence, shifting and changing is, is the nature. Now you've got to put the two together and that's quite a, quite a delicate matter because by and large what happens is the shifting, changing thing tries to become or is expected to become the last thing permanent, steady, clear, decisive, begins here, ends there, logical, that's it. Now that, we don't say that, but that's the entrainment of it, isn't it? That's, it, that's, that's what is entrained. There's a conclusion, there's an end point, there's a beginning, there's a logic, it's even, it's steady, it's the same. And that nothing like that in, in reality. <laughs> so, you know, we... And then, so who, who arises to bring that around? What system arises to, to effect that implantation, to affect that marriage? What system arises? Hmm? Yeah, do you get it? Yeah, it's often rather, you know, disrespectful or just not in tune with this kind of uncertain, shimmering, moving, fluid, feeling sense. It's something that, in fact, tries to sort of, well, sometimes frankly, suppress that. Tell it to be quiet, to get on with what we're supposed to do. Tell it it's not the time to feel that now because there's this thing that needs to be done. <coughs> Says, well, let's be clear and logical about this, and so forth. So, you know, the various ways in which we, we can ourselves. Yeah, we... we case ourselves, we can ourselves into more manageable, convenient, simple and ideally relatively uniform packets. And that fits in to the jigsaw puzzle of the social world, to a greater or lesser degree, particularly the working world, of course, which is a massive conditioning yeah, for, for people. And that's done through transposition of the linguistic uh, sankharas, layers, layering, energies, dynamics, programs, onto what? Onto the heart program and onto the body program. Heart program is about relationship, empathy, feeling, sensing, being moved, being affected, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's 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 slower than the verbal one, or it's it takes a while. You don't snap out of things. It takes a while for stuff to be felt, resonated with, settled, feel comfortable. Well, that's too slow for the 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 you know the way that language can do it. Unless you're into songs and poetry, then you're supposed to linger into that into that resonant domain. But largely, we're not going to work like it's a poem. <laughs> yeah. And see the result or the consequence. You see, it's a very different time the Buddha. Do you think they leapt on the eight o'clock commute to Varanasi in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe to get 20 minutes ahead to beat the, the, the rush hour traffic into Pataliputta or... Sawati, <laughs> you know, and they get to their desks by eight, eight o'clock on the, on the nail, dot, and then the, wait till the coffee break at 10, and then the lunch, and then the doom, 5.30, boom, everybody out, and the counter rush back from Sawati down to Varanasi, <laughs> with billboards all along the way, giving words, 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 buy, sell, convince, new, you know, instant, dunk, 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 hitting, 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 yeah texting each other. 
emails, texting, where are you? I'm here, where are you? This is, so we're planning the future and working out where we're going to meet tonight. You know, this is our mode of words, fly across. Words, 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 words. Um, so this is, this is different. You know, and you can't, you can't ignore this profound conditioning effect, which I think, personally, my sense is, is a major uh, effect on the way the mind operates, even what we conceive mind to be, mm-hmm. compared with, say, 5th century, 5th century BC India, you know? <laughs> what do you think that's about? Yeah. Writing, not used much at all. It was around, but it was, it was a specialised art for a few people to do things. You didn't do sacred things with written stuff. No, 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 no. You chanted them, you spoke them. You'd never write a teaching down. That's disgraceful. That's kind of disrespectful. Committing something so, you know, earthed and embodied and empathic to flat text that could be chewed up or, you know, disrespectful. No, you, you get your message that comes through this body system and you speak to the person who can hear you, feel you, sense you, you know, receive your body language, your impressions, your energies. So you, you get it, you know. And then what do we have? We open up very nice publication, you know, book. See, you know, oh, look at this. We get that white paper, squiggle. Or we look on the screen. Nobody there. That's not a small, that's not, not a small shift. I would say it's a big shift. So, you know, so really, you know, mindfulness of breathing, let's get back to that, you know. Um, so I've been cautious because primarily the first thing I'm trying to encourage and really, if you never get around to mindfulness of breathing, you know, don't, that's, don't worry about it. Most things clear, clear your space. And get so that you're no longer dominated by, you know, the, the, the tonalities of the verbal domain. I've got no problem, you know, spoken word is different, but, you know, how, like, you know, when, oh horror, in a few days time you open up your emails and there's 48 of them there. And you immediately feel completely overwhelmed. <laughs> and you think all these things you've got to do on Wednesday and Tuesday and Thursday in the car and the car and so on and, so on and suddenly, ah, oh, you know, where did all this come from? Here you are sitting in a room, same as you were three minutes ago. The verbal domain has just hit you. This great deluge of it has just hit you with all its to-dos and plan this and figure that. And you go into, and there's nobody there. There's nobody there to, to, you know, help to earth you. Uh, you know, even some of your own body isn't there to help you earth you, to get you to feel, here I am, okay, that's Monday, well, Monday's not here. Uh, yeah, and as I look at these things as 28 things to do, but actually, right now, all there is to do is just to receive that discharge and what seems important and space it rather than going to this to-do panic which is what we get inducted into in the the linguistic domain you must do you must do you must get it right you must do now that I suggest will be part of maybe from some of you extremely strong part of what occurs when you meditate from taking, you know, the words, hearing them, practicing from that place in your experience, that layer, that verbalized layer, all those or some of those rhythms, speed, imperatives, anxieties, pressures, canning, containing, all 
happen without you deciding it. They're, they're built in to that layer. Yeah? They're built into that. Now that is what I call a layer. It's called Vajji Sankara, if you want the Pali, the verbal conditioning or the verbal program or the verbal layer. Yeah? Sankara. It's, it's activated, it's implanted, and by and large it's the one that uh, rules the rest, the law, the order, the instruction, the information, and with it comes a certain weight. This is authoritative. This heart stuff, subjective, feely stuff, you know, slightly embarrassing at times, mainly authoritative is those nice, clear words. This is the authority speaking. And, you know, can the rest of it. So, you know, so cautious, say, you know, where, how one approaches forming uh, a meditative structure. So, first instruction. One sits uh, cross-legged root of a tree, spine upright. Okay. I can't sit cross-legged. I don't have a tree. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a funny twist in my spine. Can't meditate. No, no, well, it's just like, you know, <laughs> don't take it too utterly seriously. Get the feeling, get the feeling of that. <laughs> So you've got to kind of, you know, take those words, sort of open them out. <laughs> you know, what's he saying? Really get grounded. Nice tree, shelter, shade, nice thing behind you, protecting you, cool, spread out, not cramped, plenty of space for you, your space, crowded, unsheltered, shaded, protected from the elements. Get that sense, what that means. You know? Try to get the language to touch something other than just more language, or not just more language, but more of what language does, more of the, this is exactly right and nothing else will do, this is precision, and this is exactly the right instruction. You have to get the nuance of what's trying to be inducted here, steady, grounded, you know, know that fifth century BC, you know, who had chairs anyway? King, maybe. <laughs> Everybody else is just plunking themselves down on the ground, so that's the way you get your sit. You sit down, bump, and naturally, you know, rather than being kind of laid back, <laughs> twisted one or another, you get the grounded sense, upright axis, spine, sitting up, getting the sense of the vertical. So, in a way, simplify to those, those senses ground, upright, safe. So you, that, even to clear to that degree of that quality can take a while, you know, just to clear some of the other uh, atmospheres that surround us, where there's no shade, no shelter, very little ground, very little earth underneath you that you feel is really yours. Not a lot of shelter. You know, as, a, as an experience. So just to, to really take time getting that. So when you look at the words, you think, well, sit down, get on with it. I don't think so. It takes a while to find your tree. Now, what are we referring to? Taking language and resonating, heart impression, and I would say a body impression, a somatic impression. Plenty of space. I'm on my ground. I'm supported. Mm-hmm. You get it in your shoulders, you get it in your chest, you get it every. So you really fill yourself with that experience. And then one well, is aware, it just says mindful, bringing that mindfulness to the fore, which means, you know, this is the priority now, to, to hold the space, you might say, 
but you can't hold the space until there is a space to hold. <laughs> so before you're mindful, you kind of get there and start to create a space or regenerate a space or clear the dislocated, pressurized domain, the currents of that, clear that so you have some space, then you frame it up. Right? So, you know, really sensing with that, you know, before we even start to get mindful, whatever that is, we find our space and then, okay, mindful, frame it. I'm here. There is a body here. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. This is mine. I have my space. So that can take a while. And if you just do that, you've already done a lot of clearing. Yeah. You've already cleared a lot of the should be's where and what am I gonna do tomorrow and and not only not only the words but also the emotional currents that they set up. The agitation, the the, the waveringness, the never quite properly here because I'm about to go somewhere else. And I've got to remember this. You know, all those eddies that you feel in your heart and you makes you feel uncentered. So even just doing that framing up that and then okay it's mindful one mindfully breathing in mindfully breathing out one is aware oh breathing in breathing out that's happening that's happening how does that happen that happens because one has cleared the space found the ground centered cleared that and then receiving that input I am it is happening there is that Breathing in, breathing out. Doesn't say anything about anywhere in your body, nose, belly, anywhere. Does not say it. Look through the entire Sutta Pitika, I don't think you're going to find a single reference to to the nose tip. Um, certainly not in Anapanasati Sutta, the main uh, presentation. Mindfully breathing in, mindfully... So what is that experience? So it's pretty open. How do you know it? You feel the swelling in your belly, you feel the pressure of your clothes tightening as you breathe in, it doesn't matter. Whatever gives you that, tune in and the repeated thing throughout that teaching is always every phrase of it. In, out. Every single... There's a lot of instructions that every one of them finishes with. In, breathe out. So that's, there's the main beat. There's the main theme. In, so it's rhythmic, isn't it? It's repeated, it's rhythmic, and it's something that isn't a, a, a single object as such. It's a flowing. You don't have, in-breath is not that, in-breath is a, it's a long process, flowing process happens breathing in breathing out stay with the tide of that those tides know the distinct differences between the in-breath tide the out-breath tide however and wherever you find it most comfortable most easy to do make this as easy as possible downshift the observer into the receiver Downshift from the verbal to the bodily and emotional domain. When I say the emotional domain, it's just the sense of, I feel, just how, sense of gentleness, uh, ease. It's happening. This wonderful thing is happening. There's life flooding through freely. Don't have to be good, don't have to be nice, don't have to be polite, don't have to be brilliant. Happens to any old Joe, gets breathing in and breathing out. Wow, so there's, drop all that stuff, (laughs) you know, of what I am and what I'm not. So this is just the relief, 
that, just to get to that, is, you know, that's profound, because in that sense, all the clothing comes off. There's just this beauty of the life form. Just to know that, that quality, and to feel this is enough. You don't have to be anything more than just alive. (laughs) This is given. So all those other things, those other tendencies and nuances and suggestions that you're so often in contact with, what you have to be to be acceptable, what you must never show in order to be acceptable, all that you can clear that layer which clusters around the heart and compacts the body. You're alive. That's enough. Feeling in, feeling the long breath. So the completion of it. This is where you might start to get a little more sensitive because actually although this um, breathing process is absolutely normal everyone that does it there's a a certain qualification around that which you probably come up against for some peculiar reason it doesn't feel very comfortable And this is where a little bit more of the story, of the teachings comes in. And uh, so we have talked about the verbal layers or bhaji sankara, which is not just that stream of words, but also the rhythm of it, the speed of it, the pressure of it, the perspectives of it. Life is clear, life is sharp, life is do this, then the next, then the next, Life is that. That's that's the real thing. And from that domain, that layer, that program, that view, yeah. Mm. But there's another layer, or another program, or another domain, heart domain, which is about feeling welcome, feeling feeling free, feeling safe, feeling joyful, feeling. I can contribute, I, I'm a worthy being, whatever, I can say my piece, be heard, and that's fine, nobody's going to jump on me. You know, that kind of quality, heart domain. And of course, the limitations of that, the, the disturbances in there. I'm not welcome, I'm not very nice, I don't look good enough, I am too much this, I'm not that. People think this is the kind of fearfulness and the guilt and the tensions around the heart. Don't let anybody see me as this. Yeah. So as those disturbances get set up, we get disturbances, then we don't even want to know we've got disturbances. We certainly don't want to let anybody else know. So a bit of casing goes on. And the casing is affected through the body. As we all know, when you get frightened, you seize up. Yeah. And so the body seizes up, doesn't it? Instinctively. Right. Um, when we so just note how the emotions resonate affect the body when you feel guilty you sort of shrink a little bit small oh dear sorry you don't go oh wow (laughs) Uh, and you're frightened you seize up feel embarrassed you seize up so fear embarrassment awkwardness better make sure that i don't bother anybody don't want to impact anybody negatively so it's minor fear often. But the problem is with this, it can be not the fear of a tiger leaping on me, but th- which happens maybe, well, never. But, <laughs> you know, but even in a kind of prim- even in a, a wild, in a wild state, that might happen once in your lifetime. <laughs> you know, so most of the time you're walking around and you're doing things, life's okay, you know. Keep your eyes open, but you're not. But actually, 
in the human domain we can be living in low grade fear all the time you know not intense fear but just low but perpetual low grade anxiety about because you read something that makes you feel nervous uh, you see people acting in heavy intense gross ways and you feel slightly nervous you worry about what you look like so you feel slightly nervous you're a bit anxious about getting to work on time so you feel slightly nervous and you want to make sure you get your job done or you get fired so you feel slightly nervous and all these nerves pick up pick up so eventually you get a case built and i don't want anybody to see that i'm nervous so you put another case on top of that you know so social human social domain you go this you know i mean perhaps i'm painting it too too intensely but you know, this, there's all this potential for a lot of low-grade but continual anxieties till it becomes normalized. You know? And that's then we take it personally. It's me. I'm a nervy, agitated, frightened, fearful person or something like that. Everybody's somebody because of something. And mostly people are people because of other people. Mm. And we're doing this to each other, unconsciously perhaps. Sometimes, definitely somebody's going to give you some push, some <coughs> bit of flack, bit of, you know, threat, veiled threat, of course. Quietly, calmly, veiled threat. <laughs> You know, just for your information, we'd like to inform you that suspicious characters will be herded into a room privately. <laughs> suspicious characters. If you're aware of a suspicious character, you can't. <laughs> Shaven head, robes, suspicious <laughs> characters. <laughs> Who is suspicious? Who is suspicious? <laughs> Well, <laughs> you know, you know who. So that, in, in our social domain, who is normal, who is not exactly normal, could be suspicious, not wearing the right clothes. Yeah. Looking the right, doing the right things, you know, Muslims, suspicious characters. Yeah, so all this nuancing going on. So we live in this sense of a drip, drip, drip of of anxieties. So what does that do? The relational domain now is not uh, kind of open. It's also non-negotiable because you don't quite know who's suspecting you. <laughs> and you can't go to them and say, oh, look, it's just me, I'm not a threat, because you don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. You can't you know, reassure somebody because you don't know where it's from and, and what you did or what you're supposed to do to be okay. But the main thing is you want to make sure you look okay. So you get these kind of casings around the heart. So just to, if we just even kind of get through that, this is massive development. And where do you get through that? Just so, but then the effect of it, this casing, it both has an effect on one's how one meditates because you want to make sure you get it right for some reason or another. It's not exactly a reason, it's an attitude that becomes implanted as soon as you relate to something that you feel you're involved with, you have a sense of right and wrong, and as that's, that's charged. And then also your body has been, gets a bit frozen up because of that, all that stuff, that casing. So your breath doesn't flow very thoroughly and completely because the body is constricted. And you keep telling yourself, come on, relax. Relax. <laughs> come on, relax. You're not as relaxed as everybody else is. So it's another thing that's wrong with you. You're not relaxed enough. 
oh no, so, you know, then there's that again, that kind of tense energy, trying to relax. So you can't do it from the verbal program, you can't tell yourself to relax. Well, maybe. You've got to actually feel, feel from the heart that some sense of, you know, all that unwelcome, all that sense of anxiety is that, uh, just a gentle acknowledgement. It's not my fault as such. Okay, you know, maybe I've contributed to it, but, you know, it's not, it's, this is a casing. And is it possible to just feel from the internal, from the ground, from the upright, from nature, I am okay here. And let resonate that. And let sort of, till your body can also begin to sense that. So often it's, you know, quite encouraging just to take a walk or be outside with the trees and nature, you know. But you think, oh, the ticks, the ticks are going to get me. Oh, no, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Another threat. (laughs) So something where the body can feel, you know, let it be how it is. And these, these somewhat, you know, the irrational, well, these heart senses can result. So chanting, devotion, Buddha, refuge, heart open, blessed one, goodwill. You know, all these resonances we sit within for a very good reason. They're not just ceremonies. They're to actually induct and hear your voice coming from that space. Because your voice itself has a certain embodied quality and it's the one that can change or begin to shift the linguistic domain from the written to the spoken. Hear your words as trembles in the throat, as movements in the heart, as embodied experiences flowing and gone with no punctuation, no fault, no line break, just, you know, no grammar. And just the free, freeing that up to become just the resonance of, of the sacred, the good intent, the blessedness, the welcome. What's the sit and practice that, you know? Till this, you really can feel. And so now, because as you're also as you're chanting, You have to breathe, and you have to breathe belly, chest, throat. You begin to reclaim this territory for something which is not of the social conditioning realm. Now there are these three layers, linguistic, verbal, with all that it, not just words, but the the rhythm of the written word, and the kind of messages of it, this is truth, this is reality, this is exactly right, this is a solid object, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, The heart realm, jitta-sankara, which is the conditionings around the emotional or the heartful domain, the felt sense, you know. And then the kaya-sankara, the conditioning around the body. So these three, they all carry the same sankara word. They're conditioning, they're programs, they're layers. They're di- they actually are dynamic and they're powerfully effective. They form us. We don't form them. Actions and reactions and responses build these layers. And then as those layers form, become familiar, I am within all that. That's the way it works, as our system begins to feel the boundaries of agreeable, allowable, right, wrong. Those become reference points. They become programs. Myself forms within that. 
my personal self falls within that. Yeah. And I and they give me, and they always give me the idea that I'm in charge of them. They're in charge of me. Fortunately, I'm not myself. <laughs> As you know, you know, you witness yourself doing all kinds of strange stuff. So where, where is the I before the am occurs? Where is the I before the self? Where is the sense of presence, imminence, hearness, sensitivity, awareness before the structures arise? So this is our refuge point, you know, our ground, our center, our midline, our refuge place, words, I admit, but trying to keep nudging into that very primal, open, aware quality. And then notice around that the various I am's that cascade. This is meditation, you know. So these layers affect each other. What we, uh, particularly what we feel in our hearts, affects our bodies, Mm. and our words affect our hearts. The words we read on the sheet affect our hearts particularly the imperatives, the commands, the threats, the requests for certainty, clarity, affect our hearts. Please be here on time. You know, it's not very threatening, is it? But still has an effect. There is such a thing as time. And it's a number that you obey. A number. What's a number? Could you speak to a number? Could it talk back to you? Could you say, hello, number? Number, could you, you know, you and me, can we get on with each other? What's a number? It's an abstraction. And of course, in social circumstances, we use these things. But to what extent do these things dominate you? So the tokens become the masters of your experience. And you are trying to fit the numbers. The numbers are just one very easy to to point to um, experience in this this domain. But of course there's a lot more of it. All sorts of nuances that are actually gently pushing, squeezing, forming, teasing, inviting, forming you. The articulation, Vajji Sankara, that layer, affects the heart. Yeah, we feel there is a future. We feel there is a place, a, n- a number to arrive at. I don't see any numbers. I don't feel a number. I don't see any future. What future? How can there be a future? You know, when you come to the subjective domain, I might have an anxiety, but I don't have a future. <laughs> I am ever hope or an expectation, but I don't have a future. What's a future? Has anybody seen a future? <laughs> Has anybody felt anxiety? Oh yes, anxiety, I know that. Expectation, sure. Promise of reward, yeah, I know that one. But where's that? Isn't that now? Isn't that now? Isn't it only now, really, with these various movements of heart, of hoping, expecting, looking forward to, or dreading, or feeling anxious about? Isn't that more real? So no matter how many numbers we place on it, no how many rewards we place on that future, do this and you'll get 5,000 of these, it's still now. And the more that we get convinced by the numbers and the, and the dates and the so forth, we lose touch with the now. And we live in this virtual domain. That affects the heart. And that affects the body. For a start, a lot of the time people don't have much of a body at all. 
It's, it's not something that's really given attention to as an internal subjective experience. It's given a lot of attention to as an objective experience. We think that's the truth. I am five foot nine, my hair is black, bits of grey on it, my eyes are brown, my body shape is this, that or the other. That's my body. No, 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 that's what other people see. Your body is subjective. A feeling of pressure, warmth, yeah? Pressure, warmth, energies. That's yours. That's where you are. That's the subject. The rest of it's an object that's, well, you could see it in a number of ways. You know, you probably have a particular angle on it that I might not have. So when we lose our subjective body, what are we left with? Virtual reality. Futures, past, possibles, shoulds, ought to, better get to, hurry up, not good enough, and this, that, and the other. A virtual body, you know, hips too wide, legs too short, nose too long, ears stick out. wrinkling, whatever, you know, but generally people don't really like their objective bodies because they're always placing their object bodies against this thing in a magazine which doesn't look like me. (laughs) So there's the thing in the magazine, that's the real thing, that's the best thing because it's on paper and it's stable and solid (laughs) and it's probably touched up as well (laughs) and preened and groomed and put glosses, so that's the best thing, but it isn't real. Oh, don't worry about that <laughs> detail. Which, you know. And could you talk to this one? Well, no. Is she happy? I don't know. You know well, it's not real, is it? It's just, and yet the dazzling quality of that. And then you've got this real thing. You look at it. Well, you know. <laughs> you know that the value shift. It's it's frightening. We value the unreal above the real. We value the object above the subject. Yeah, what a crazy thing we've got seduced into. And the effect on one's attitude towards this, which is alive, very special kind of like unique form, breathing, metabolizing, warming, energies moving, alive, and, and just kind of really welcoming that back rather than canning it. And the results of canning it, you know, the pressures, the, fl- the flinching, the sharp places, the numb places, the constrictions, that occurred through just canning, 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 all that. And I can't meditate either. Another thing that's wrong with me. So, verbal program, well, try harder. You must have got the wrong instructions or you're not putting enough effort to into it. You know, the words are true. <coughs> You don't come up to the words. The words are true, you're not. <laughs> you're not in line with the words, which are the truth, the authority. And you are, let's face it, defiled, corrupted, you know, lazy, you know, whatever. So, you know, well, you know, I don't want to be part of that as a meditation teacher. <laughs> I don't need part of that conspiracy. So I don't, that's why I don't really teach meditation that much. (laughs) 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 So I, 
try to, try to evoke a feeling of mutual respect, welcome, <laughs> interest, warm-heartedness. And, you know, just try to feel your own form, your own body and be comfortable in that. And, you know, so welcome that and let it grow. It's an organic system. So as we come into a little bit more of that, perhaps some of the things can release and just encouraging to feel a long breath when you really, really let it all go and it goes... There's no restriction. You let it all go on the out breath. There's no holding in the guts. You let it go. And then you wait for it and you let it come and you let it take you and you relax into it. And there's no resistance, no hurrying up to get it over with. You just let it take all the way up your chest, your collarbones, your throat. And then you take a little bit more. Don't, you know, don't make a muscular effort, but linger longer in receiving that. Be someone who's very good at receiving experience, particularly this natural experience. It's not, not fantastic, but it's real. <laughs> and tired, and get to the reality of breathing in and out. And the reality of breathing in and out is probably not what you think it is or what you've imagined breathing in and out is from what we might have seen in books or looked at in our biology lessons or something. It's not just you know sucking it in through your nose, into your lungs and puffing it out again. It's prana. Anapana is prana, life force life energy, and you feel it as, you, uh, as that occurs, you get this kind of tingling quality, life energy. Receive it more openly as your body can begin to open to that because your body at a very basic level does know that. That's what keeps it alive and it does know it on a, its own way of knowing. And see if you can know it in your chest, know it in your, under your collarbones, know it in your face, welcome it in your fingertips, it's a signaling, whole body feeling brightened, flushed, and then the whole body relaxing, anywhere, breathing in, and then it begins to fill, clean, and then it quietens down, short, called the short breathing becomes quite subtle. But now your body is open, alert, not constricted, awake. Now your heart is not agitated. So your sensitivity is very fine, finer. And you can pick up subtle tides, stillness, brightness, comfortable, it begins to settle into a simple unity. Tone, the tonality is one of happiness, quiet, comfortable happiness. Now this is, you know, so this is to be just noted, notified, noted, but you can get to one, allowing yourself to be breathed fully. This is massive. The amount of trust that's required to let your body be opened and breathe fully with no restriction. Yeah. And what it takes to get there. Fullness of the body. As I said, it's not a matter of it's like listening to an orchestra or a band. You know, it's not you have to go, here's the violin, here's the drum. There, you hear the whole tune of one thing, the whole body. So you can be one-pointed, but not, you know, like a point on a detail, but have the, the entire forming of the body as one impression in your mind. 
like a wave, you know, rather than the individual suds on the, on the tide as it comes in, just the wash of it. Then that one impression flushing through. And then you say, can I feel this in my, filling the body, filling the back, filling the head, feeling under the eyes. So all the sensitive places in your body, particularly your face, soft tissues, fingertips, they're the ones that, that receive and they sort of resonate with that quality. This is where the, the piti or rapture, joyful quality comes from. It's, it's not just an emotion, it's an Im- a bodily sense. And then the heart, oh, it said, you know, when the Buddha says, when, when your body is refreshed and relaxed, there's no need to make a special effort to make your mind feel happy. It feels happy. And when your mind is happy, there's no need to make a special effort to concentrate. When your mind is happy, it is concentrated. It is samadhied. Now, maybe not the concentration that we might have thought we understood as an effort of focusing our gaze on something, an effort of making sure we do something right. It's samadhi is, I call it, it's unification. Things are together. There isn't mind isn't breaking off, isn't rushing out, isn't scattering, nor is it corralling everything into a can. And that's the thing to just be aware of. So we're not looking at, you know, one, two, three, samadhi. You're saying there's a process, clearing space, Acknowledging the sankharas, working through them. And if you work through one layer, it can only be for your welfare. It must lead further. If you undo another layer, it doesn't matter if it's just simply, you know, quite a simple thing. You know, it doesn't seem to be related to meditation. You're just releasing one layer or one level of anxiety, of pressure. It must be for your welfare, there is no doubt. It must bear fruit, and you can breathe it in and breathe it out, and really invest in that welfare, and it will, it will, more you invest your attention into it, more it's going to grow. It's a very simple system. Keep bringing your, your attention to where you are feeling more comfortable, more steady, dwell in it, enjoy it, make much of it, it must grow. And then you keep referring that to your places where you're not so steady, and you keep breathing into them. Breathe the goodness into the difficult piece, ask it to come in, don't fight it, just invite it to be part of what's going on. The barriers drop, yeah. And we begin to experience some of our difficulty and struggle but our tide of breathing and our tide meets it and captures it and clears it, grooms it, calms it, eases it. This is, this is just beautiful process. Anywhere you do cultivate that. Now somebody says, well, what about, you know, jhana and so forth? Is this, do we try to get into jhana? We don't get into jhana. What is jhana? Anyway, so, you know, again, be careful of the words. And so I'll do my bit on it. <laughs> so the Buddha famously, one of his famous statements occurs in several places, says, you know, here are roots of trees, here are lonely places, because meditate, because do not waste the opportunity, do not let your opportunity pass. The word meditate, jayati. And so that is where jhana comes from. It means absorb. So this is something, means whatever's good, drink it in. Whatever's good, drink it in, spoil yourself with it. Whatever's really rich in yourself, take it in, enjoy it, permeate it through your body, feel it in your heart, breathe into it. 
take it with you. The energy, there's a particular energy, energy, mood, I don't know, the words. I'm just playing with words. The particular quality and energy that is feels comfortable and steady in yours, the more you breathe into it, you, it will amplify. And then the more you're able to just enter that without necessarily explaining it, figuring it, making anything out of it, claiming it, just loosen up those verbal stuff, go into it from the heart base, you are doing the process of absorbing. It's going to enter you. It's going to reform you. And the breath will take it into your body, into your sense, your subjective body. Remember what we're talking about? Your felt body. And that's the process. Now, you know, they say at a certain point, we can talk about that becoming so steady and stabilized, it becomes such a kind of a, a recognized, mm, we can call it a jhana. Like, oh, that's definitely a, a, you know, a reference point I can notice. That's something that's become established. But you don't be careful of the idea getting into jhana, got to get into jhana, because, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't describe the process. Clearing space, feeling what's fruitful, knowing what it is in yourself that can do enjoying, you know, and turning it to this subtle place of ease. Meditation is enjoyment. Put the two words together. If it isn't, it isn't meditation. Or it isn't arrived yet. You know, so there's even the kind of having to figure it out. But that also can be, we do it the right way. Okay, is this struggle different? I'm going to figure this out. It's like a little puzzle. You know, and you're going to play with it and work with that and be mapped by that and challenged by that. Sure, it's not always easy. But, you know, you don't always have to have it easy as long as it's meaningful and it's not punitive and it's not crushing you, you know. Okay, we're for a workout. Even that has got some quality of enjoyment of energy and faith and and interest. Clearing the heart, dwelling in the body, that's, that's the absorptive process. So, you know, this is kind of what, you know, is in that, in that word, meditation, is all these, these, what I've been talking about. By and large, but I must re-emphasize, you know, it's again, get past, prioritize, Heart, first of all, probably, for many people. Feeling safe, feeling welcome, ethical clarity. Remember, when we use a word like mind, most people are going to go up here. Buddhist tradition points to the center of the chest. So we say, sometimes we say heart rather than mind, because most people west will point to their heads when mind is up here. That shows you how bad it's got. Just shift that dock. <laughs> this is where Buddhists say heart, mind. Here. This is where I know things. This is where I think things. This is where I know things. Yeah. Know the important things. <laughs> this is just where I do the bills. <laughs> this is where I know things. <laughs> so from there, you know, clear that. Encourage that and then coming into your body and uh, getting those bases there to, and their rhythm and their process, which can be ragged and, you know, jolting and lurching, but gradually the thing is going to come into its its stride, your stride, your process, your path, and it's going to fluctuate because that is life. It's not, we're not machines. And uh, this can only be for your welfare necessary, very necessary to have time when you reframe from the machine tele, tele-logic 
abstract logic into felt subjective reality. This is the one that, where suffering ends and Nibbana is realized. This is why this practice is encouraged.